So it's a pleasure to be here with you all, um, not only to sing, but to speak. Um, for me, there's something about it. There's something about coming together on Christmas Day and getting to celebrate, to get to celebrate. Uh, this brings more joy to me than really anything on Christmas Day. And no, sorry, family, um, I don't mean anything against all of you. Um, but there is something being together with our church family to celebrate. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that term is just as explicit as your earthly brothers and sisters. We are family. We are family. And it's not just a term. It's reality. And we get to come together and celebrate. And celebrate the birth of our Savior and last night, if you were here, we talked about the birth of Jesus and the shepherds and how the angels appeared to the shepherds and said, go, today joy has been brought to you for the Savior has been born. And what I want to do today is I just want to kind of continue in the Christmas story. And I want to talk about probably my favorite Christmas story, the three, no, sorry, oh man, I already said it, the wise men, the wise men, okay. And the wise men actually takes place after Christmas. It is not on the day of Christmas. It's actually after Christmas. And so let's just go ahead and read through some of this, and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, actually, let's go ahead and pray first, and then we'll dive in. God, I thank you so much for everybody here. And I thank you for the adults and the children, the families that have come to celebrate today, uh, to talk about you, to lift you up and worship you, Jesus. This is truly what it is all about. And, and I'm so thankful that we are living this truly in our lives, that these are not just words that we're saying this is what it's about, but living in actions that mean differently. But we are truly saying, Lord, this day is about you. It's about worshiping you. It's about lifting you up. And please be with us as, as we look at these scriptures and help us to know who you are, Jesus, to know that you are the King of kings, that you have come to save us. And please guide us in everything we do, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's read verses 1 and 2. It says this, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now I need some help. My children's ministry kids need some help. How many wise men do you think there were? Raise your hand. Tell, how many you think? Three. That's a, that's a pretty good guess. I don't know where you got that number from, but that's a good guess. What you think? Three? You think so too? Anybody got a different number? What you got? Three. That's a good different number. What you got, man? Two. All right, two. Well, I, I kind of messed you guys up. Um, I failed the test myself. The answer is, we have no idea. We don't know how many wise men there were. Now, the good answer is three. 
because that's usually the amount we say that there are, right? And we say three probably because what we're going to find out is the wise men bring three gifts to Jesus. And usually because of those three gifts, we say there were three wise men, but truly we have no idea. There could have been 50. There could have been 20. There could have been two. We just don't know. But what we know is this. Wise men came from the east and they came to Jerusalem and they said, where is the king of the Jews? He's been born. We saw his star and we have come to worship him, to worship him. Now, most people believe from the east, they're talking about Babylon, because Babylon is to the east of Israel at this time. And when you think about Babylon and you think about Jewish history, truly we know a man who came from Babylon. We know a whole book established in Babylon because of the exile of the Israelites. And that brings up Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And we know how much influence they had in Babylon. And it's amazing to me that these wise men, think of them as philosophers, people who really like knowledge. They want to know knowledge. They want to understand knowledge. They want to take everything in the world and they want to learn about it. They want to know it. They like to study the stars and astronomy. And so these guys, they're considered to be wise men. They are looked up to. People liked them. They were established. Some even believe they were royalty themselves. And so these were very high figures in their country. And they have come over, and they want to know where the king of the Jews is. And, and so now we look and see, this is what happens in Jerusalem when these guys come. In verse 3 through 6, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. So Herod, as the king, he's kind of baffled by this. Why? Because he's the king. And these guys come over from the east and go, hey, where's the king who's born of the Jews? And that freaks him out because he's like, I'm the king. Why are you talking about some other king that was been born? I'm, I'm the established ruler here. And he doesn't like this. And so he gathers all the Pharisees, all the scribes, all of the smart Israelites, and he says, hey, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they tell him, it says in Micah, he is to be born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. So here's what Herod does. And I got to give you a little spoiler, okay? Herod's not a good guy. He's not a good king. And Herod doesn't like that the king of the Jews has been born. And so he takes the wise men, he brings them back in, and he says, hey guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I want you to find this new king who's been born. And when you find him, I would like you to come tell me where he is, and I'm going to come and I'm going to worship him too. 
But guys, spoiler, Herod does not want to worship Jesus. Herod wants to kill him because he doesn't want him to be king. But this is his plan. So he sends the wise men off and he says, go find the child in Bethlehem. So the wise men leave and they go to find Jesus. But again, in Bethlehem, they don't, they don't know where they're going. So here's what happens. It says in verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And so these wise men, remember, how did they get to Jerusalem from the east? They said, we saw his star. We saw the star. And now again, it says that there is a star that is leading them to Bethlehem, leading them to the Messiah. And this is some miraculous star. This isn't a star that we see in the sky today. This is a miraculous, bright star. And what is the goal? The goal is that God is leading this men exactly where they want to go. And you know what I find so amazing about this? Is that Jerusalem, the city, the main capital city of the Israelites, they were baffled when these men came and said, hey, the king of the Jews is born. The Messiah, he's here. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? But yet the wise men... God gives them a star and points them right to him. Why? Why? It kind of goes back to my Nathaniel sermon. Why? Because the hearts that long to find God, the hearts that long to see him and know him, they are the ones that God leads him. Pastor Frank said it last night. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And see, the problem with the Israelite people and what we find out later is they didn't have hearts actually truly looking for the Messiah. But these wise men, they want to know right where he is. And what does God do? He gives them a star and he sends it right to them and they rejoice exceedingly because they are about to see the Savior of the world. They're about to see the Messiah. And this is my favorite part of the story. This is where things get really good. In verse 11... It says this, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. These wise men, these influential men, royalty men, come from the east And they come into a house where there's a lowly woman, a mother, with a baby two years older or less, and she's holding him in her hands. And these influential royal men, they get down on their knees and they worship him. They worship him. They worshiped a baby. Why did they worship a baby? Why did they get on their knees? Why would these men bow down to a child? Because these men, I believe these men knew who they were worshiping. I believe these men knew the Old Testament. And I believe they knew that this was 
the Messiah. This was Christ, the King. And they worship him. They worship him. And I mean, I think, you know, it says Mary treasured these things in her heart, right? When the shepherds came. Could you imagine when these royal guys in their robes come in and they bow before her baby? And then they offer him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And the idea is this, gold represents divinity and royalty. Represents the fact that they are giving gold to a king. A king who is not only king of earth, but also king of heaven. He's a divine king. And they give him frankincense. And frankincense was a burnt offering. They would take frankincense inside the Israelite temple and they would burn it. It would be like incense. And it smelled incredible. And they would offer it as a pleasing aroma, a holy aroma to God. And this represents that Jesus would be offered as a pleasant sacrifice to the Lord. Paul says that he was pleased with him, pleased with his sacrifice. And then myrrh is the most interesting one because myrrh is an embalming fluid. Embalming fluid means for people who have died. They would take it on dead bodies and they would rub it on their body and then wrap their bodies And so why are they giving Jesus a baby embalming fluid? Because he would suffer and he would be afflicted and he would die for our sin. For our sin. The plan was there all along, all the way from the beginning. And so I love if you read it backwards, you see that Jesus suffered and died to be the pleasant offering, the pleasant sacrifice for our sin because he is our king and he is our God. And that is who he is. And see, with this story, this is what we've come here to do. This is why we're here today on Christmas. We are here to bow our lives, to get on the floor on our knees and say, Jesus, you are my king. You are my God. And I will worship you, and I will praise you, and I will take my life, and I will live it for you and for your glory. And I won't worry about what people are thinking. And I think about that with these wise men. I mean, walking into that room and seeing a baby, I I find as a man, I, I would be very humbled to get on my knees before a child and thinking about that. That's just honesty. But yet these men were not afraid of the thoughts. They were not afraid of the outside. All they could think about is, this is the truth, so I worship him. And I pray for you guys, and I ask you guys as I finish, have you bowed your life before the king? Have you recognized who Jesus is? That he is the king of kings. That he is Lord of lords. And have you bowed your life to him? Not part of your life. Not some of your life. I mean everything. Full surrender. I'm all in. I am yours. You are mine and I will worship you and I will praise you and I will lift you up. And I pray, church, that we are like these wise men that we come and we worship, and we give our lives to the king. And so it ends 
Verse 12, and it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to King Herod, they departed to their own country and went their own way. And so God knows, listen, I'm not telling Herod. I'm not telling Herod where Jesus is. And he has a plan as he reads through. And I, I say, guys, if you have time today, just keep reading through this story. It's incredible. Incredible what God does at the beginning. So let's go ahead and pray. And then we'll finish up. Lord, I, I thank you for all that you've done. And I thank you for how gracious you are to me and how gracious you are to all of us. There is no one like you, Lord Jesus. You are truly the King of Kings. You have showed my heart that you are the King of Kings, and I pray that you will show the hearts of the people in this room who do not know you as King. Please show them. Please show them who you are so that they can embrace you, so that they can have joy and rest in you, that they can know the one who has created them and follow you. I pray for the children in this room that you would please help them to grow up knowing who you are, Jesus, knowing what it means to follow you. I know some of us in here, we feel like we've probably wasted a lot of years before we knew you. And I know for these children, they can grow up and they can waste no time serving you and following you, living in your footsteps. So I ask as a church that you would help us and guide us as we go into the new year. Be with us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.